Before we start today, there's a video you may have seen on Facebook. A video of a man running around desperately trying to help people. With their shopping, with their bus fare, anything really. He's just offering to be kind. Most people are bemused, but some actually accept the gesture, and both parties sort of revel in the kindness. The makers of that video, kindness.org, are a non-profit who want to know if you'll join their movement for a kinder world. The new site uniquely blends user action, technology, and funds independent, high-quality research to explore the impact of kindness, and whether it can be used to solve some of society's most pressing issues. Visit kindness.org to find out more. Hello everyone, hello football fans around the world, welcome to the Squawker Talker. It's the Monday pod, so we're obviously going to be tucking into the Premier League action, a bit of European football, and also, thank God it's international break again, can't wait for that. Uh, we've got lots to talk about with the England squad announced last night. I'm joined today by Greg Stobart, Chief Reporter here at Squawker. Hello Greg. Hi Nick, thanks for having me. No, that's okay, okay. it's <laughs> a pleasure to have you. Also joining us is James McManus, hello James. Hello, thanks for having me on. Good, no problem whatsoever. Also joining us is Felix Keith, now now becoming a Monday Pod regular. Hello, nice nice to be here again. Yeah, it's nice to have you. Get the nod. He's he's got the nod again. Um, okay, let's kick it off by talking about Arsenal versus Spurs, the North London derby, a one-all draw. Uh, Greg, a, a fair result for both sides. Was one all about about right for what happened in the game? Yeah, I don't think it's the result either side wanted, but it's a fair result. Really, it was a weird game, wasn't it? It wasn't very good. Mm. Uh, Tottenham bossed the first 20 odd minutes controlling the ball it was weird because you thought Arsenal would really go at Spurs and try and blow them away which they tend to do in some of the big home games like they did against Chelsea the other week then for 15 minutes Arsenal were fantastic they were catching Spurs on the counter-attack pretty much every time they won the ball yeah Walcott hit the bar then they got the goal through the own goal and you just thought Arsenal would run away with it and the second half one I would call it a moment of magic it was weird because he you know, got the ball on the halfway line and beat three men. But he still wasn't really going anywhere, Moussa Dembele, to draw the foul. But that got Tottenham back into the game. And then the second half just sort of drifted away, really, didn't it? Yeah. I mean, you called it, you were on London Live on Friday and you called it that Pochettino had been trying out a back three in training. And that's exactly how they lined up, which obviously caught Arsenal a bit unawares at the early stages of the game. Yeah, it caught me <laughs> unawares too to be honest because I, th- I thought they'd try it in a couple of weeks I thought they'd try it after, after the international break maybe with Toby Alderweireld fit mm. again I mean Kevin Wimmer was the weak link in that back three I think it worked overall to be honest I know Arsenal said I mean Theo Walcott said they even after they'd seen the team they didn't think that Spurs were going to line up with the mm. back three which is incredible really because yeah. anyone could have looked at that side and said it looks like a back three to me it suits Tottenham Three at the back, especially when Alderweireld's fit with the two wing-backs, Walker and Rose. You know, if you've got Vertonghen, Dyer, and then Wimmer and Alderweireld, those two wing-backs, and then Bele and Wanyama sitting in front of them, you're not going to concede too many goals. And I think the main point of it for Pochettino was to push the full-backs up and to get two up front because they've not been scoring goals. And Harry Kane and Son looked OK on the counter-attack, but still lots of work to do going there. Yeah, James, I mean, the the three at the back seem to catch Arsenal unawares at, initially, but not many teams play three at back against Arsenal because of the way that they shape up. It's always the same. Once Arsenal got used to it, they seemed to get back into the game. But then Moussa Dembele took control of the game in a way which not many players do. It was a remarkable performance, wasn't it? Yeah, um, Dembele completed six take-ons. The whole Arsenal team completed two. 
and that's uh, ridiculous. He completed three in one move, didn't he, to draw, yeah. draw the penalty. Dembele's probably... I mean, you could say he's underrated. He's underrated by people that don't watch football that much or watch match of the day, just perhaps like that. But if you watch a game, everyone and consistently, you can see Dembele is like top class. Tottenham are just a, a 10 times better outfit with him playing. I thought mm. Danny Rose had a very good game as well mm. uh, from left back. He's got an absolutely brilliant cross on him and he's very, very quick and he just... He's a very technical fullback, isn't he? Um, but I mean, I thought I thought Arsenal probably did deserve to edge it personally. But um, it's the first time uh, Arsenal have ever gone five Premier League games against Spurs in a North London derby without a win, mm. and that's all because of Pochettino, isn't it? Because yeah. Wenger's finally got someone opposite him who's at his level. Yeah, and also Spurs and Arsenal themselves very much at the same level. Arsenal were actually forced into into a lot of interceptions during the game. They made 22 versus Spurs' five, which maybe <coughs> maybe implies that they were, well, either A, <coughs> very good at spotting those through balls, or they were they were having to really be on the ball. Um, one player who didn't quite step up to the task that well was Alex Iwobi. It's difficult to criticise a player that young, but he is in the starting 11 for Arsenal, and he wasn't exactly... He was a bit profligate with his chances. Yeah, I think maybe our expectations have kind of gone up pretty quickly because he he uh, settled so quickly once he came into the side but yeah like you say hard to criticize especially when his what might be his replacement Chamberlain came on and he was just awful so there's little diabolical yeah, yeah but it's a big game a obviously, a bit, it's quite he? hard to yeah, yeah it was strange but I don't know I, I think maybe take him out of the firing line a bit but he, mm. I think he he's uh, earned his place in the side now so mm. Greg, there's, there was a lot of focus after the during the game and afterwards about the, the, the difference in quality between the benches because Arsenal brought on Giroud, Ramsey and Oxlade-Chamberlain. Oxlade-Chamberlain, OK, was, had, a, had a diabolical 20 minutes, but um, Spurs don't quite have that quality on the bench. Vincent Janssen, when he came on, had a couple of guilt-head chances to win the game, which you thought, if Harry Kane had been on the pitch, that it would have been 2-1 Spurs, surely. Yeah, I mean, Maka says Arsenal edged it. I thought in the second half, if anyone was going to score, it looked like it might be Tottenham on the counter-attack, to be honest. I mean, Arsenal were putting Spurs under pressure, but I can't remember them creating anything. You're right, Vincent Janssen looks like a cart horse to me at the moment. I can't see him ever scoring from open play, honestly. He's got so much to work on. You back Pochettino to improve players, but it's almost like writing off a whole season with Janssen mm. at the moment. It's not going to happen anytime soon. He's not but even in the right positions to score. He's, like he's not in the penalty really area. Yeah. He's yeah. dropping really deep, trying to like spread the ball out wide, and then it doesn't. Then he's never in there for the cross. So that's that's not his job. His job is to just be the big lump in the middle of the box. That's like Christian Eriksen's job. That's Son's job. That's what Harry Kane does because Harry Kane's a better footballer. But Vincent Janssen needs to know what he was signed to do. End this. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I think once everyone's fit, you said you mentioned the benches. I mean, Spurs were without the likes of Lamella, Sizoko. I think once everyone's fit, I can't even see Janssen getting any game time, to be honest. Mm. I think if Harry Kane's playing and firing and you want to change it up, it'll be moving around the likes of Son, Sizoko, Lamella, Deli Ali as well, who was missing yesterday, rather than bringing on Janssen. Because actually, when he comes on, the team goes backwards. There was nothing in the final mm. third when he came on. Mm. Got a good Harry Kane stat for you. He's now scored the same number of North London Derby goals as Thierry Henry, five. Five and five as well. Yeah, same number as Bale as well. Good. And uh, Spurs, five of last six is Spurs goals in North London Derby have been scored by him. Still four off overall North London Derby top goal scorer of all time. Emmanuel Adebayor. Only, only three, only three. He's got only eight. three now. He's got eight, yeah. Only three. Cool. Maybe, maybe the dubious goals committee in that yeah. headquarters in that Devil's Islands <laughs> finally decided something different. But. <laughs> Uh, let, let's talk. Well, let's talk about our new league leaders, Liverpool. 
top of the Bex, league. Let's. Uh, I mean, some of the fans in the cop apparently were chanting that if they had Suarez back at uh, Anfield, he'd be he'd be on the bench. Obviously, tongue in cheek uh, because it is Luis Suarez. But Liverpool look like the real deal, Maka, don't they? I mean, it's 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 worrying because everyone's literally every other manager that Liverpool have played against this in the last month or so has tipped them to win the league. Mm. And it's um, speaking as a Liverpool fan, having been put in that position makes me feel uncomfortable because uh, <laughs> because of what happened in 2013-14 and especially this early. But we do look absolutely frightening going forward. The main question mark is going to be how do they cope with Mane going to the African Cup of Nations for a month mm. because he's so key to the system. He's the quickest player in the team by a country mile. He stretches teams. The Lana's technical, but he hasn't got his pace. He's probably the one you push out there, but then you miss the Lana in midfield. Mm. Wijnaldum's coming back from fitness. Chan might have scored two goals in the last two games, but he still looks a bit laboured to me. So mm. it, it is a big loss. He's he's essentially Mane's essentially been the signing of the season, hasn't mm. he? So yeah, he's been a very impressive player. Uh, Felix, I mean. We've got to talk about the jewel of Klopp's crown so far. Uh, mm. It's Philip Coutinho. He's having an exceptional season, finally delivering on a consistent basis. Uh, against Watford, he has game by numbers with five shots, five chances created, three completed take-ons, three crosses, one goal, one assist. It was a, a real uh, impactful playmaker's performance, wasn't it? Yeah, he's improved a lot. Um, he used to be criticised all the time for shooting just every time he got the ball, but um, his shot accuracy is much, much higher this season. It makes such a difference when he... He he's still on in those areas, but now he's got the confidence to to hit it on target every time, and it just showed that one his goal. Although it went down the middle of the net, he caught the goalkeeper unaware. Mm. But yeah, he's been he's been the kind of standout. Although their front four are all contributing almost equally, you've got to say Coutinho is the the one standout, the goal threat, and the the most creative. Mm. And he's he's allowed to be that threat in the side. Greg, for for all of the talk about Liverpool's shaky defence, they don't concede that many goals, do they? There's, you know, the, the system does help with that sort of pressing from the front, and they do look vulnerable, especially from set pieces. But they're not actually conceding that many goals. No, I mean they conceded three against yeah. Arsenal, and that was that set the tone for our narrative that they can't defend, didn't yeah. it? And it's more the individual errors, like the Crystal Palace game. It was just the stupid errors when you've got the goalkeeper flying out, you've got Lobren slicing it up in the air. You know, that's that's why where the perception comes from. Actually, they're quite organised because they don't let other teams get the ball. And when yeah. they do, they barely cross the halfway line. Mm. The individual errors need to be cut out. But you'd think that that should be fairly simple mm. with a bit of experience. Remember, he's changed. He's brought in a couple of defenders, brought in Matip at the start of the season as well. So they're still getting to know each other, playing Milner at left back as well. So it's relatively new back for this season. I think they'll be all right later in the, later in the season. And to be honest, you know, you're conceding one or two goals, but you're scoring four, five, six. It doesn't really matter. Yeah, and Klopp hasn't even had a chance to strengthen. He's got loads of cash piled up that he hasn't really spent. That he could he could have a go at in January, buying a top class centre back or another midfield sort of anchor to to help Jordan Henderson out a bit more. Can't really see Liverpool doing too much business in January, if I'm honest. I think um, he's a he's a coach, isn't he? First Klopp, rather mm. than a wheeler dealer. He doesn't really like transfer windows particularly. But um, I mean, Liverpool. I think he's gambling on Liverpool getting top four getting the extra Champions League money and then having that reserve mm. and really making a goat like a really big statement signing next summer. But um Joel Matip has been he's just such a big upgrade on what Martin Skirtle was because mm. we've got actually got someone in the, in the back four who can pass the ball forwards now. Sacco was that. He looked a bit ungainly at times, but 
Matip can pick a 30-yard ball, which all the top centre-halves can. Martin Skirtle would just look outside to him to Nathaniel Klein, pass it to Klein, Klein would be under pressure, he'd pass it back to Skirtle, and then we'd just be slowly going back to Minulate and then hoofing it up front. Mm. It was just awful to watch. Whereas now everyone in that everyone in that team can pass the ball. Milner, Milner is a better passer of the ball than Moreno, and he's, you know... Not not an idiot like Alberto Moreno. <laughs> I've just got my weekly have a go at Alberto Moreno. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's it's a recurring theme. Uh, Jack <laughs> at least, I'm, at least, later, at least I'm consistent. At least yeah, I'm consistent. Be consistent. Obviously, uh, Liverpool have now scored more first half goals than any other team in Europe's top five leagues. Um, keen starters. Uh, let's talk about Chelsea five, Everton nil, guys. Chelsea are back. Felix, how about that? That was yeah. I mean, Everton have been pretty decent this season. Uh, Ronald Koeman isn't a manager who gets battered very often his sides don't no. really concede a lot of goals uh but yeah. that was that was pretty impressive yeah they just blew them away obviously Cumin changed the system to try and neutralize them and it just didn't work at all and you could tell straight away that he, he knew he'd had to try and change it but i think it was just a continuation of they've just been like picking up momentum the last few weeks uh, chelsea absolutely steamrolled southampton the week before and it was a similar kind of thing. They just completely like crushed them in the final third. But it's mainly just Hazard and Costa. Those two just completely motivated, fit, like flying forward every time. Mm. And they, they look like they're going to score every time they get it, especially Hazard. When he cuts inside, every time you think he's going to score, and he pretty much is at the moment. I think uh, Conte's done a brilliant job with a lot of like lesser lights in the squad as well. Mm. Like uh, Pedro and Matic, both have five assists in the league, both playing different roles. Victor Moses looks like he belongs at Chelsea at last. And Marcus Alonso is basically, and David Luiz as well to an extent, have, have looked like proper Chelsea quality standard players. Mm. Like Mark, They haven't lost, they haven't conceded a goal when Marcus Alonso's been on the pitch yet. And when he first came to the team, he looked like if he if there's any winger with any bit of pace, he's going to struggle because mm. he looks like he could he could run a, an ultra marathon, but 100 metres in 40 seconds. But... <laughs> <laughs> But like they, they're just so well organised and they're all playing slightly different roles to what they were under Mourinho and it's because Conte's a clever tactician and they've been helped in the same way that Liverpool were last season and mm. that they don't have European football. So all all of the drills, all the training makes 3-4-3 three, three possible and it's just working so well. Yeah, Greg, I mean, Conte's fixed Hazard, he's fixed Matic, he's even fixed Gary Cahill to a certain degree. Diego Costa looks like a new man. Is it all down to the coach? Is Do the players deserve some of the credit for, you know, maybe it was the previous coaching setup, and now that they're over that, they're starting to perform again? Or is it is it really just Conte? I mean, it shows how much of a disgrace they were last season, doesn't it? <laughs> Especially under Mourinho. Look at Hazard. He didn't score until April last year in the Premier League. Yeah. He's got seven already this season, five yeah. in the last four. Um you still worry about that mentality, though. You should do, at least. And they've had a wobble already this season. But, mm. you know, it's the same with Liverpool. You you want to know what they're going to be like when they come under pressure. At the moment, I think you give Conte all the credit. And it's because of the 3-4-3. And it's because he's freed up in Hazard. I mean, he's the best player in the Premier League when he's playing like he can and mm. like he is at the moment. And it changes everything. Because, every like Felix said, every time he gets the ball, you feel like he's going to dribble past three players and put it in the top corner. Mm. And I mean... The game against Everton on Saturday, it's the best I've seen him play for ages. I mean, he was electrifying. Mm. It was great to watch. It was great to watch. And that goal was like Messi-esque, wasn't it? Yeah. It was just like the faint, the dribble. It was like he was a slalom skier. It was no other player in, in the Premier League has that sort of balance running at pace. Slalom skier, loving that. Is the, the sort of one where you they sort of hit the poles 
as they're but going they're, down. But they're like kind of supposed to hit the poles to yeah. make some quicker. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, Felix, is is this a worrying result for Everton, or is just just sometimes you just have a go? Uh, Do you know what? Fair play. No, I don't. I don't yeah, no, I don't think it's that worrying. They had, I think, the second best defensive record before the game in the league. Not and, anymore. Well, no, not anymore. And they <laughs> missed. I think it should be pointed out they didn't have a Drissa Gay, who's been like mm. their best player this season. So, no, I don't think it's that worrying. They obviously couldn't get Lukaku into the game at all. And he's, I think, Chelsea, to be honest, have looked where well, they've uh, won their last five games without conceding a goal. So, I think in that context, you, you've got to say Everton would just met a better team. Mm. Gareth, Gareth Barry looked old yeah. against, against, yeah. against Chelsea. He looked like <laughs> Meza Ozil's running past him at the World Cup levels yeah. of old. <laughs> yeah. He looks. He looks like he's got games in his legs. It's like it's like he's in. He's put himself in reverse when everyone else is on fast forward. <laughs> Rewinding. Um, another team that got severely outplayed uh, was Swansea. They lost three one to Manchester United. Uh, Paul Pogba finally turning in the sort of performance that you know uh, you sort of make Adidas ads out of. Um, <laughs> an incredible, an incredible volley, and um, he 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 really sort of bossed the midfield. He completed ninety four passes uh, more than any other player on the pitch. Greg, is, is it finally? And it, the performance also happened. He was on the left side of a four three three, which is what everyone's been saying all season is where you're going to get the best out of Paul Pogba. Um, is it a case that he's finally turned up or is it just that Swansea were an aberration? I mean, it's not the first time Paul Pogba's played well this season. I think there's a long way to go, especially when Man United are playing like they did on Thursday against Fenerbahce. Certainly, that's the role that everyone wants him to be playing. In a three, on the left, box to box, given the freedom to be creative, to play those passes. You know he can shoot from range as well, a goal from distance. I think Carrick's presence is massive. Mm. Just a sitter, you know, that Pirlo role, whether it's Carrick, whether it's Schneidlin, just someone there to take the defensive duties as well and to start the attack. So he's not receiving the ball 20 yards into his own half, but he's receiving it over the halfway line where he can actually cause some damage. Even mm. the build-up to to his goal, he's picked the ball up over the halfway line, he's played a little creative chip into the box. That's where you want him doing and then making those runs in. You don't want him picking the ball up off the centre-back and 60, 70 yards from the opposition goal. So it worked. Long way. To, it was a weird team, wasn't it, that United team? It, it looked like the slowest Man United team I've ever seen before kickoff, But it, at the same time, they kind of were playing people in their actual positions for a change. Mm. Wayne Rooney wasn't playing as a centre midfielder or as a number 10 where he's pretty much just been useless. He was playing the on the left wing wasn't he which is when you think back to Rooney at his peak under Ferguson it's probably where most of Rooney's best performances came from was yeah. out wide on the left I mean uh, even Fellaini played well because Fellaini's not a natural sitter because he can't really run but I mean it it looked like an odd team I saw a tweet I think it was from uh, Jake in, in the office and uh, he said uh, that's the slowest Man United team I've ever seen we might as well stick Bobby Charlton as box to box <laughs> midfielder <laughs> which reminds me of that advert where he's like turning up for the Sunday league thing and yeah. I mean he probably is still quicker than Marion Fellaini but <laughs> <laughs> But That'd did. be great to see Bobby Charlton, Fellaini, Carrick. What was what interesting afterwards is the uh, Mourinho, he's won 3-1 and he's still having a go at players at the press conference after the game. It's just, it's a bizarre managerial technique. Like, enjoy the good times maybe a bit. Yeah. Why not enjoy the good times? It was ridiculous. I mean, they've beaten a rubbish Swansea team after a bad run of form and he's taken the opportunity to go after players who weren't even playing. Yeah. Luke Shaw and Chris Smalling went after Mictarian on Thursday. I really, I mean, it just feels with Mourinho like it's just self-defence, doesn't it? And mm. attacking his own players to defend United's poor form in recent weeks. It's really odd. Unless he's trying to 
G them up. You know, Luke, Luke Shaw and McTarion have got some questions over their mentality. Unless he's trying to get something out of them that we can't see, mm. I just don't see the point in doing it. Yeah, He's got this weird thing about, like, he doesn't want players to be injured. But the whole physio incident at Chelsea, that's basically ruined his reputation in a lot of people's eyes mm. and now he's having a go at Shaw and Smalling for not wanting to play when they're injured yeah. and like, when Luke Mar- Shaw had a whole season out pretty much for injury yeah. you blame him for when Martial was concussed against Watford he kind of shrugged yeah. it off didn't he he said he's alright like he's not a doctor it's kind of macho thing it's <laughs> yeah. like he was saying oh I have a professional tennis player friend and he says that he plays through pain all the time it's like Right. Okay. That's irrelevant. Yeah. Oh, isn't thanks. It? Yeah. 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 It's really the, odd. The, the friend argument is some always... of my best yeah. friends are sports. Yeah. yeah no. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah it's, it's really, really it's strange. Irrelevant. A quick word. A, a bit more on Michael Carrick, Felix, because I yeah. mean, a lot of Man United fans were saying, "Let's bring in Michael Carrick. He's perfect for this type of game, isn't he? He's not going to be under a lot of pressure. He can spray the ball around for days." And Man United have won every single Premier League game he's played in this season. Yeah, I think the point is that you can't play him every week. And Mourinho said it himself. He's um, he's capable. That's a perfect game for him against the team that aren't going to really press him that much. And he was very good. He just kept the ball moving, played it forward a lot into Fellaini and Pogba. Um, but I don't think he's going to be the, the overall like kind of solution, the magic bullet for that midfield because he can't play every week. And like you say, he's only played six times this season. Mm. So I think they have to, have to use him sparingly. Um, but yeah, it was really encouraging, definitely. And mm. without Ander Herrera as well, who's been recently their best midfielder. So Yeah. Interesting. Uh, next up is Man City 1, Middlesbrough 1. It was a last-minute equaliser for Borough, uh, Greg. City had 18 shots off target in this game. I mean, really, they should have just won the game, shouldn't they? I mean, it's amazing that they didn't. Yeah, and it's the second time in a row for City that they've drawn one all at home after a Champions League week. And mm-hmm. United, actually, it's a big point because Macca mentioned it earlier with Liverpool and Chelsea not in Europe. Only Man United won again out of all six teams in Europe this week. And it's becoming a bit of a theme and it's massive. And for City, how frustrating is that? You've just beaten West Brom 4-0. You've beaten Barcelona finally. And you really thought they've got over their wobble. Mm. They're okay now. 18 shots off target. I mean, it's bad finishing, but it's inexcusable, really. Mm. It's kind of old Arsenal kind of performance, isn't it? Trying mm. to walk the ball in the net, missing loads of chances. It shouldn't really happen, and you're always you're always leaving yourself open to the counter attack. No surprise, Adama Torre was involved in the Middlesbrough goal because every mm. time I see him, he looks brilliant. On he's the massive ball. as well. He's yeah. the biggest footballer I've ever seen. <laughs> he's <laughs> the quickest thing that exists. I'm yeah. convinced yeah. of it. He's like the Flash. And the thing with City is, just we know they're not that good defensively. So yeah. if you're one 0 up, you've got to make sure you make it two or three. Yeah, well, this is the point, James. They've only got two clean sheets in the Premier League so far, City, and it's it's a real worry that they can't seem to shut out teams. I mean, it's it's it is a it is a worry, but it's an it's a necessary worry because it's this is what needs to happen for them to get to the level Guardiola wants them to. He just doesn't have the personnel mm. to implement the side of play he wants yet. But I think City are a bit in danger of turning to this two-man team. So if De Bruyne, who set up the goal, and Aguero who scored the goal against Borough, don't contribute with more than one thing per game, mm. there's no one else really in that team who who steps up. Nalito, has he really done anything since they've signed him? Not really. Jesus Navas, he's a pointless footballer. David Silva's <laughs> playing a lot deeper, so he's not really yeah, scoring or getting assists. Yeah, he's about it, yeah. but it's been more in Europe for him, isn't it? Because they're, they're still trying to ease him in because he's had a mm. lot of injury problems. Yeah. So there's, like, there's no Yaya Torre figure who's going to get you 15 goals from centre field. So, I mean, the system does dictate that the front four, five players have to be contributing. And at the moment, City only really have two. That's a good point. I mean, Raheem Sterling's been chipping in with a few. Do you think the the 
comeback of Yaya Toure, the, the apology, <laughs> apology gate mm, will, will serve no. City well. They'll be able to rotate him into the squad, get some goals out of him. Absolutely no chance, no. I think, um, I think, Gun, Gun, unequivocal. Gundogan, though, like they were saying, he scored two, he scored two in two games back to back, arriving late into the box. And like Maka was saying, if Aguero is the main focal point, you need someone else coming in, like, um, I hate to call it the Frank Lampard role, but you know, like arriving late in the box, offering another threat, offering someone someone else to mark. Um, if, if he can uh, keep in that role with Fernandinho sitting, I think he could be like one of their key players this season. And now he's fit. He did look brilliant um, the last few games. So yeah, I think he has a big role. Hmm. Very interesting. Uh, Leicester 1, West Brom 2. Finally, a win for West Brom. Yes, <laughs> Tony Pulis earning that new contract. Uh, Greg, does does that mean sort of the end of any title hopes for Leicester? I mean, I know it was a long shot. <laughs> I know it was a long they're 14th. Shot. So they're 14th, yeah. but <laughs> we're, we're, we're burying yeah. that now. I think Leicester could go down. Really? Yeah. And Honestly, win the Champions League. I think, I, think, <laughs> I think they're in danger of going on a kind of Chelsea run from last season and before Christmas really struggling while they're still in Champions League mm. I think once the Champions League's like once there's a break maybe they'll come back into it but at the moment they're just not defending I mean you look at that second West Brom goal it's just comedy defending yeah. it's, the, mm. it's the kind of defending you know Leicester's first season when we all thought they were going down and they were terrible under Nigel Pearson in the first six months mm-hmm. it was that kind of defending really and mm. Leicester, Leicester could be in real trouble especially with Mar- the way Mahrez is playing Vardy not scoring goals Slimani's the only one really offering anyone anything up front they miss Kante so much I mean there's no chance of them winning the league um, they'll be lucky to finish in the top half I think they could go down Really, I think um, Leicester have conceded uh, all 17 of their Premier League goals inside the area Correct. this season. So um, that shows their main strengths last season, if you went through them, were... Uh, that not court, conceding goals yeah, in the penalty area. <laughs> that, that strength of Hooth and Morgan, and it's, yeah. just, it's just not worked. So they're even not stopping them from out wide or they're committing too many errors through the middle. Mm. Mares has had one shot on target in his last six Premier League games. Diabolical. That is, I mean, he's gone off the boil, hasn't he? So, and, and like Greg said, they're missing Kante. So literally all the key ingredients that made them hard to stop and Vardy's form have just gone the complete reverse. They are doing well in Europe and they are completely gambling on this... European journey, which I kind of admire them for because they know they're not going to get there again, mm. so they might as well enjoy it mm. while you're there. But I mean, I didn't expect them to be quite this poor. They've they've already lost more games in the league than they did all of last season. Mm. It was five now, and they lost three last year, so they are in trouble. Big trouble. Felix, Burnley three, Crystal Palace two, Burnley up to eighth. Yeah, great Can stuff. you believe it? Um, yeah, kind of, but <laughs> a little bit. I can what's, just what's about Dice, believe what's it. What's Dice learned from the previous I campaign? Because they, they, they really struggled to pick yeah, up I any th- sort of points. I think us. he deserves a lot of credit because they I've counted they've they've got nine of the same regular first team players from two seasons ago when they got relegated, and there was a lot of this slapping on the back. Oh, well done, like like valiant kind of underdog thing. But I think now he's they're just better tactically. They, he knows there's no point in playing open kind of style, and they beat Liverpool with that uh, ridiculous counter-attacking game where Liverpool had all the ball, hmm. 20% possession, they scored both their shots on target. And I think that's a bit of a, like a blueprint for their season. Uh, retract into that 4-5-1 and then they can just try and just be clinical on the break. And Sam Vokes and Johan berg Goodmanson was really good against um, Palace in that game. Really clinical. They just, they just took their chances, basically. And... I don't think they're going to stay in the top half, but they're certainly. I think they they could they should stay up now. I just think they've learned their lessons. The manager is really having 
a great season. And Michael Keane, obviously, in the England squad, he's kind of the, the bedrock at the, bo- the back of it. And obviously a great goalkeeper as well. Yeah, Tom Heaton. But he yeah. can't stop. He's saving everything. Yeah. I think it was the guys, at the Squawker Gaming guys, who are telling me that if Liverpool and... Burnley switched keepers, then Liverpool mm. would have an yeah. unassailable like lead or something <laughs> like that. Absolutely remarkable. Um, Greg, I mean, Pardew's always Pardew's teams are always patchy in terms of form, but it seems like the the, the patchiness they're getting shorter. These little patches of Palace form they just turn on and off seemingly instantly. It's bizarre, isn't it? It's so weird. Four defeats in a row now, I think, and. Yeah, they've got good players. It's really weird when you watch Palace. You always think, you know, the Liverpool game last week, another example, you think it's going to be a hard game for Liverpool, but the number of individual errors, I mean, the goalkeeper on Saturday, absolutely. And London's been awful, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean, probably their biggest quality signing of for years, except Benteke, and he's he's, he's not been what we expected at all. Yeah, just the individual errors, you you can't account for that, really. Um, I'm not sure about some of the things he's doing, you know, Using Andros Townsend, another big summer signing as a substitute, is a bit weird. Not getting the most out of Wilfred Sahar again. Their only attacking option seems to be to chip it up to Benteke. And then if you're making these kind of mistakes defensively, you're going to lose matches. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's the exact same which happened at Newcastle. Pardew's whole managerial style is built around riding the form of two or three key players at any given time. If they go off the boil, these runs happen time and time again under Pardew and it just reverts to long ball up to the big lad who will mm. hold it up out wide he spoke the other week uh, did an interview with BBC and said um, I finally got a chairman who believes in me he's backing me the start of play we're going to use the season it's going to be a little different and is it? I mean it just looks the same Pardew fodder that he gets it's just, he's just a very good PR man for himself mm. it's, the, the, the thought of him ever becoming England manager is, is terrifying to me because it, I could see Winning five, losing five, and qualification scraping through because everyone qualifies for tournaments now. So, but it, he's he's just a. But imagine a bang- if he hits one of those patches of form during a tournament. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, we could grease it all the way, can't we? But, <laughs> but he's a he's a he's a bang average manager at a club that should have aspirations to be more than that now. They've attempted more crosses than any team by like eighty or something. Andros Townsend and Jason Punchin are the top two crosses in the mm. league. And they, they literally, like Max said, they just chuck it into Benteke. See what happens. Which is like, obviously he's good in the air, but you need another, you need something else. And they brought yeah. on Connor Wickham and then just did the exact same thing with him in there as well. So it's just like... <laughs> we'll try a different head then. I mean, it's, it's unlucky that Loic, Loic Remy, I think Loic Remy was their penciled in plan B, but and he got injured obviously, which mm. is unfortunate, but they need some sort of other plan. You can't yeah. just keep just chucking it in the box over and over again. Speaking of plan A not working, Hull 2, Southampton 1. Uh, uh, yeah. South... Uh, the, didn't quite work as well as maybe Claude Puel would have wanted. Well, Southampton looked in total cruise control and then yeah. Snodgrass came on and had yeah. one of those inspiring games. But it looked like Chelsea knocked Southampton's confidence a bit. They, they looked a bit tentative. I think the the problem with Southampton, as we noted earlier, the European uh, reverting from Europe back to the Premier League, uh, Puel made five changes and brought back in basically everyone you thought he would. And I think they're struggling to kind of maintain that form. Obviously, the big hive into win in the week and then go 1-0 up with a penalty early on and they just kind of dominated. But it's been that kind of recurring problem. It's just Charlie Austin is the only kind of uh, point of attack. Yeah, and that's kind of it. Um, Tadic is the creator. He's not going to chip in with that many goals. And then Redmond, again, they're kind of peripheral goal scorers. Um, Yeah, I think think the problem is going to be that 
adapting as so many teams have had to before from Thursday to Sunday. Like, who do you play? Like, Geordie Classy came back in again, Stephen Davis, and then it's kind of like there's not a lot creativity in the middle. Mm. And obviously they just wilted. Yes, yeah, Snodgrass came on because of two injuries. He's been out for ages himself and he comes on, scores and then sets up the other one. So, mm. yeah, it's really, really disappointing for Southampton, but... Snodgrass back for the uh, England game yeah, at the yeah, weekend, so one, one for Gareth Southgate to keep an eye on. Uh, West Ham Stoke, one all, Greg. Do we have to talk about this one? <laughs> it could, it could have, it could, I, was, I was looking at the results and I was thinking this game could have been any result from any year. It looks, it looks so standard. Well, it's two clubs that have been having a hard time, but Stoke are finally turning it around under Hughes. They're unbeaten in six now. Both managers, very weirdly after the game, commented that the pitch was too slow to add to the London Stadium. So they finally got the policing sorted. There were extra policing stewards deployed at the game. But apparently the pitch was too slow. I didn't catch the game, but I mean, is that it's odd to hear two managers agree on that. Yeah, it's a bit of a weird one. It's, it's again, do West Ham even have control about what, what happens with the pitch? Because they, they're fobbing everything else onto the stadium. <laughs> yeah, right? Do the taxpayers decide? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The they rent the centre circle, but yeah, the rest yeah, is owned yeah, by yeah. everyone else. <laughs> we get, yeah, if we if we like sign a petition or something, can we have it like two inches of grass? I don't know. I don't know how. I don't really Just know how. It, everywhere. <laughs> I don't really know how it works. I mean, it's two sides that like to play football and keep mm. the ball on the ground. It's a massive pitch as well. I yeah. mean, maybe they're just making excuses for another very boring game between two boring teams, really. <laughs> I mean, the Stoke goal was more comedy de- defending from West Ham for mm. the Stoke goal. I think one was about what we would have expected yeah. before the game, really. West Ham, this, you know, it hasn't been a revival from West Ham at all. They beat Chelsea, B team in the in the League Cup, and they beat Sunderland, who were the worst team in the league in the last minute. So I think West Ham still, still, still has some pretty big problems. Yeah, and they've also got Spurs, Liverpool, Manchester United and Arsenal next. Uh, James, it looks like by Christmas they could be seriously scrapping for, for relegation. That's that's Those teams are playing really well. They've, they've been unfortunate, I think, to a certain extent, because, I mean, Aaron Cresswell, very good left-back, got injured, signed a replacement left-back who got the exact same injury, and then he was out. Uh, they've not had a right back for ages. They've stuck Antonio, who's basically their joint top scorer, or who is their top scorer essentially at right back. Uh, none of their strikers have scored or assisted a goal in the league yet this season, and I think they've just gone. They've just been very, very unfortunate. I think they'll be fine. It will they'll even out. They finished top ten, I think. Yeah. Maybe that was too bold. I'm, 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 I'm immediately regretting that. Just, <laughs> top. 14. <laughs> they'll, finish mid, they'll finish mid-table. If they need to go on a run, yeah. you know they will. Yeah. Let's round off the Premier League fixtures and we must have a round of applause yeah. for Sunderland <laughs> Football I'll Club getting their, <laughs> get their first win of the season. When Victor Anichabi scores a goal, you know it's your day, Felix, yeah. isn't it? He, Finally. I mean, he thought he was in the team just to back into people, but it turned out when he backed into someone, he actually created a mm-hmm. chance for himself and then he he scored it. So yeah. that was great stuff. He's been waiting seven years yeah. for that to work. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Seven years. Yeah, but no, he actually, all jokes aside, he was really good on the weekend. Mm. He held the ball up really well. He looked strong and he kind of compliments Defoe quite well. Mm. Obviously, the goal was the winning goal was from the penalty spot, but... Yeah, I mean, like Moyes basically said, we haven't had any luck. We got a bit of luck, and we won, and it was that's pretty much the sum of it. Well, that's a nice but, dour. Yeah, Moyes well, he, quote, isn't well, it? yeah, oh, yeah, we got it's a bit pretty of luck, spot, so it's spot on. Though. Yeah. Bournemouth, like you would expect, dominated the ball, created loads of chances. They just didn't mm. take them, and then Sunderland got a bit of luck, which I don't know if they deserve, but yeah, it's 
they're, they're, they've broken their duck as being the only team in the top five leagues in England to not have a win, mm. which is they've held for like nearly a month or something. So, yeah. Well, well done, them. Yeah, Stobes, Bournemouth are a bit of a confusing team. You, you never know who's going to turn up. They they dominate the ball, they create loads of chances, but you never know if they're going to win or not. It's a bit it's, odd. It's weird because they banked the hole for six the other week and yeah. then couldn't created loads of chances, dominated the game and couldn't score more than one at the weekend. I think Wilshire's actually been a bit of a problem for them. I've been, I was speaking to a few people who watch Bournemouth and some analysts of teams that played against them, and they all say that... Bournemouth are better when they play Josh King number 10 behind mm-hmm. Callum Wilson and playing Wilshire in a number 10 role I think he gets bullied off the ball a little bit um, not really opening teams up and I think they'd rather see Josh King in there a bit more physicality a bit more directness um, I don't think it's working with Wilshire but Bournemouth will be fine they'll be absolutely fine but it's a, not that much quality in the final third I guess you know you're relying on Junior Stanislas Callum Wilson Josh King these guys don't have Great CVs, and it's amazing that Eddie Howe's coached them to get to this level in the first place. Very good point. Uh, let's talk about some European football, and we'll kick off by talking about Serie A, where it's Juve, Roma, Juve, sorry, Roma and Milan won. Napoli dropped points. It's a clear three-horse race now. Remarkable that Milan are now contesting for Serie A after a slow start and a few years in the wilderness, isn't it? I mean, AC Milan have just been gambling on form of really good Serie A players as managers for a while. They had, uh, <laughs> they had Seydorf, they yeah. had Inzaghi, they had Mihailovic. They yeah. seem to have lucked out with Montella yeah. now. They've, all this one's working. Yeah. But he's, uh, <laughs> he's, he's basically the first manager they've brought in who's really given a chance to the young players. Mm. So Donnarumma got a chance under Mihailovic, but he's... Just an, he's just a freak, isn't he? He's seventeen, and he already looks like a monster, like thirty-five. <laughs> and but they've, they've, uh, the the main one is Manuel Locatelli in centre midfield. He's eighteen years old. He was playing for their uh, not even their B team. He was playing for their like under eighteen team like last season. Mm. And I mean, he he'll be AC Milan captain in three or four years, like, guaranteed. But they've, they're a very young team. They've got Romagnoli, Suso used to play for Liverpool. Yeah. Um, it's just a very Lupataki or something Lupataki he's also a 19 year old who's who's been graduated he scored the winner at the weekend it was a nice little deviated shot yeah him as well <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah they're, they're, they're just they're just a, they're kind of what Spurs were maybe last year in the Premier League they're kind of like the Italian version of that so if you get they might fade eventually I can't see them winning it I think Juve will definitely win it got too yeah. much firepower but they're they're building something there, and it's it's good to see a like a proper European heavyweight like get back to where they belong. Yeah, it's good to have a three horse race, at least some sort of closeness between the top teams in Serie A as well, Felix, because Juve have just been storming it for so long. Yeah, but um, Juve's home form is just so ridiculous that it will basically carry them through. And when you can spend like nearly eighty million pounds on your rival's best striker in the summer. Um, yeah, to be honest, I think it'd be nice to see uh, the challenge go on a bit longer, certainly. Mm-hmm. And Roma Roma are in reasonable form at the moment. So, But yeah, I think, to be honest, Juve, at the end, of, when all's said and done, they're probably just going to win the title again. Talk about La Liga, Madrid, Real Madrid, Barcelona uh, both win. Uh, Atletico drop more points as Villarreal go into third, Felix. Third. Atletico Madrid not maybe the force that they, they have been over the past couple of seasons. Um, Simeone has obviously not renewed his contract there and mm. makes it sound like he wants to leave probably wants a bigger challenge um, how do you see that sort of that race panning out yeah they, they've obviously changed a bit Gromero um, kind of coming into the side this season but yeah um, Barcelona had their like probably hardest game of the season against Sevilla and they came from behind to win 
and Real Madrid have blew away uh, Leganes. So it looks like that. I mean, obviously, again, you you want more competition, and Real are top by two points, but. I think Atletico might, like you say, struggle, and they look like they're going through a bit of like um, transition. If Simeone's on the way out, they probably that kind of thing that's probably known at the club. So yeah, they they, they might struggle to keep pace with the two the p- two big teams. So uh, Real Madrid have got a couple of tricky away games coming up. They've got Valencia away. They've got Atletico. They've got Barcelona, and it looks you know while they're top of the league and they look comfortable, those might those might knock them off kilter a bit. Do you, do you see them just? Swatting, keep swatting teams aside and dominating the league for the rest of the season or not really I mean I watched the first half yesterday and they were poor they didn't do anything until I mean Bale scored two goals at the end of the half out of almost nowhere I think the big factor for Real Madrid in those games coming up is Luka Modric's return he came off the bench yesterday and he is the one who makes them tick who dominates the game they've kind of been getting by without him lately just nicking a goal a bit of you know Bale does something playing stodgy football and finding some a way to win but with Modric they can actually dominate games they can go to these places and control the ball and control the game and open up teams and I think you know if Modric hits hits the ground running and is back on form I think I think Real Madrid have to be favourites at the moment but you never know with Barcelona and Messi playing the way he did yesterday yeah if Messi gets back to full form James that's that can just be that can just be it because oh, yeah, the best player ever will do that. Yeah, yeah. Will do that. <laughs> and Suarez hasn't been firing. It's his first goal in a while. Yesterday, yeah, he's he's got sixty four the league of goals. I think seventy odd games for Barcelona now. Not bad. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's not bad. I think he will get in that Liverpool team. Yeah, <laughs> regardless of what just they were saying. Yeah, but um, they've had a lot of injuries. Barcelona have had, had a lot of injuries at the back, um, and they've had a lot of negative press with uh, Enrique resting key players and then not quite performing. So I think Barcelona probably have this sort of run in them once a season and they're just getting it out of the way a little earlier. They had it about March, April time last year. They they do seem to have it genuinely once every season. I think uh, what, what, yeah, what Greg said about Modric is like he is the one that makes Real Madrid play. Like Tony Cruz is a world-class midfielder. But you can just tell Modric is like three, th- like two or three years extra, like more experience. He passes forward rather than sideways that little bit more, and he just brings others into play. Morata's actually been very good for Madrid as well. I wasn't a big fan of him at the Euros. I thought he was um, just a tapping merchant, which seems to be the main insult on Twitter for anyone who scores a goal. <laughs> tapping merchant, but um, yeah, he's he's kind of replaced Benzema in the pecking order already, mm. which quietly happened. And Benzema's been first choice centre forward at Real Madrid for like six seven seasons which mm. is like ages for that club because yeah. it's a basket case club isn't it like likes to sign players just because they can proper loyalty that yeah but like morata has been very good let's talk about the bundesliga i mean fairly astonishing scenes yeah. as red bull leipzig go level with bayern munich on points both teams are unbeaten but i mean the story of red bull leipzig is pretty incredible yeah. although not very popular in the bundesliga but to go level with a club of bayern munich's resources is it's a pretty astonishing feat felix how have they done that well, it's like how we meant to feel. We meant to hate them because they're all corporate and owned all. We meant to be going going against the grain of Bayern Munich. Come on, it's bad. It's bad when Bayern Munich are seen as like yeah, the, no, that's the, true. The, yeah, yeah, the good yeah. guys. They're well, like the evil all empire. Football is corporate. <laughs> yeah, I know. But like when you when you read the stuff online, it's like, well, yeah, obviously they've just been promoted, and it's this lovely story. And then it's kind of like, oh well, they're owned by this big big corporate company. But yeah, no, they they. Uh, I think the, the interesting thing there for an English perspective is Oliver Burke going from mm. Nottingham Forest straight into this team that's now top of top of the Bundesliga, which mm. is, and yeah, they've kind of come from nowhere. But yeah, the fact that they're going level with Bayern Munich at the top is a remarkable achievement. And they're one of few clubs still unbeaten in 
Europe's top five league. So, yeah, good on them. Yeah, one team that isn't any longer in Europe's top five league is Nice. They finally lost at the weekend. Uh, PSG battered Rennes and Monaco hammered Nancy 6-0. Uh, at the top there, it's still Nice, top by three points, Greg. Um, and probably their first their first poor performance of, of the season. You expect PSG to, to get back into it slowly. And Monaco have got Falcao firing again, who actually got a Columbia call-up for the first time in a couple of years. So that's, uh, that's well poised. Yeah, Falcao could be a really big one. Scored a couple of goals in the Champions League as well. Scored a couple of goals at the weekend. I actually thought when Spurs played Monaco at Wembley, I went to the game and he had something... Something about him. There's something there. The way he's holding up the ball, his movement. I mean, his knees are gone basically. But you know, in in league, got something about him. (laughs) No, you know what? League league is a bad. The way you know, you look at the way Balotelli's been scoring goals. Look at the trouble Ibrahimovic has had the last few weeks coming Mm. from Liga. I think it's a good league for him to score goals. He struggled in the Premier League for two seasons, but he's good enough to win a team the title in France. Mm. Fair enough. Word on that Cavani goal as well. You see the delightful clearance and he just turns and chips the keeper. Yeah, it's another one just like he'd been struggling in Ibra's shadow and then as soon as he leaves, he suddenly just steps up and starts banging in the goals. So, yeah, hope for, well... It's a league for farmers is what everyone on Twitter says. Whenever we tweet <laughs> oh, anything oh, okay. about Liga, they go, but it's against farmers. I don't know... Is France well known for their farms? <laughs> it's got a great agricultural backbone, uh, which is well I mean, subsidised by the EU. Do a lot of them play football professionally as well? <laughs> no, it's more of a rugby culture in the farming well, communities. Well, we should sell Twitter that, like, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'm sure they'll be very receptive to my argument. Uh, let's uh, get a player of the weekend from everybody. I will go to Mr Greg Stobart first. Who is your player of the weekend? It's a bit boring, but I've got to say Eden Hazard. Those Eden two, Hazard. Two, two fantastic goals and just all-round performance was dazzling. Fair enough. James McManus? Uh, I've gone Michael Carrick, even though uh, it might not be the most obvious choice. Man United have played six games with him and the team. They've won six, they've scored 17 goals, and he makes an £89 million player play to his potential. So, it'll be him. Worthwhile. Yeah. Worthwhile. Felix, who's Mine, your the weekend? Mine's Nabil Bentaleb. Um, obviously loaned out by Spurs, not wanted. He was training with the under-21s at Tottenham. And then he goes and scores four goals in four league games. And he's got five and six altogether now to help Schalke go on their five games unbeaten now in the league after a really poor start. So it's kind of... Apparently they've got a, a £17 million transfer option to buy him. So that mm. might be a good way out for him. And obviously it's nice to see bit of form going forward because you never saw that at all at Spurs. Good fee for Spurs as well for a player they don't really want yeah. or need. Yeah. Yeah. He's got all the talent, hasn't he? I think it was an attitude thing with Tottenham. And once Pochettino makes his mind up, you've got no chance, but great player. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks very much for those. Uh, we're going to round off by talking a little bit about the international break. There's an England game happening soon. <laughs> and I guess the, the big surprise is we're going to do it. We're going to talk about Jack Wilshere. Getting, getting a surprise recall. This is James McManus's time to shine. Uh, he, I mean, Greg, you mentioned he's, he's not playing well. He's not playing brilliantly for Bournemouth. He's been creating a lot of chances, but overall his performances haven't been amazing. It's, it's surprising that he's just been just walked back in, isn't it? It's it's just the it's it's like the old boys club. It's just we're trying we're willing him on to be this player. He isn't. He might have been before those injuries, but he won't be it. So we're just we're, oh, please be that. That deep line playmaker. Oh wait, we've changed our mind again. You can be the number ten player. Oh, he started out as a winger. Does does Wilshire know where his best position is mm. anymore? I'm not sure. I mean, it's uh, I mean, Danny Drinkwater is in the squad as well, and he's not been very good this season. So mm. it's not particularly. And 
you look at the strikers in the squad, I think they've got like four league goals between them this season. So it's, again, it's just it's a squad picked on names rather than you know actual talent. Like Mikel Antonio is not in the squad. Like he's an actual form player mm. left left out because he's he's it's easy to leave out a West Ham player. Mm. It's not easy to leave Wayne Rooney out. So why are you wasting time picking players just on their, their names basically? Yeah, Greg, what could we expect from this England team? I mean, the Slovakia game was was well. Yeah, I mean. It was uninspiring to say the least. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it was all, it was the worst ninety minutes of my life. Yeah. I'm just going to put it out there. I mean, it's been I can't remember the last time I enjoyed an England game mm. at all. To be honest, it's bad. You know, Allardyce, even Allardyce's one one game. Yeah. Even yeah. Allardyce's one game was bad. So uh, yeah. I'm not expecting much. Maybe you know Derby, all that kind of stuff. Um, I don't. I really don't know. I don't know why he's picked Harry Kane as well. I think it's, it's just come back. Yeah, I've taken the Mickey a little bit, isn't it? I think he'd be better off working on his fitness for a couple of weeks and getting sharper. Maybe he'll get some game time. But mate, I couldn't care less about <laughs> about England, Scotland, or England, Spain. Honestly, I just wish we could end international football or just or just carve it up so it happens at the end of the season. We can enjoy the Premier League because the next two weeks, even for us as journalists, it's just going to be miserable. It's going to be boring. <laughs> it's going to be dull. The football's awful. Just want the Premier League back already, mate. Sunshine. Felix, <laughs> <laughs> thoughts? Yeah, well, uh, <laughs> it's hard to follow that. Um, but we, uh, we should beat Scotland. Scotland just lost 3-0 to Slovakia in their last game. Strachan's under pressure. Good team, Slovakia, though. Well, Good team. well, well set up. <laughs> but yeah, um, I mean, it, it, like say, these qualifying for World Cup is kind of null and void because England will qualify. We all know that. And like I say, these games, even when it's against a like rival, it's it's hard to get much into it. But yeah, I think England will win. What would you What would you say? Uh, obviously, there's a lack of enthusiasm here about about the England. Where'd you, where'd we you we get like that? football as well. We all like football. Yeah, yeah we, we, we all love football. So, so what would you like to see happen with this England team? What is it? What is it that needs to happen? Because you know the talent's there. There's some great players in this squad. You know, obviously there's there's issues like Rooney probably shouldn't get a game. Harry Kane shouldn't be picked because he's about to come back from fitness. Sturridge is on the bench. No Deli Ali either. No Deli Ali, but no there's fun. Raheem Sterling there. Marcus Rashford is a really exciting proposition. You know, Henderson's been playing well this season. Mm. You know, what, what would you like to see happen with this team? Yeah, I think like you say, the ingredients there. I think. I think once they've got a full-time manager who can properly stamp his authority, I know they always say this, he stamp his authority on the team, da-da-da, but... You, Gareth you, Southgate you, has yeah, exactly. no you watch, you watch Gareth Southgate and he just looks so happy to be there. And he's just, that's what kind of it. He just picks the team and then he's just like, oh, I'm having a... I think once maybe we've... I mean, obviously, it's just more depressing thinking about who might be the next England manager. He's like prime middle management in the material, one, Gareth Southgate. He's, he's, he's not a, a leader. He's a yes man. He's, just, yeah. what, what he's a lovely you? bloke, but he's, he's prime like middle manager of, for a box factory like that's <laughs> Gareth Southgate in another life James what would, what would you want to see happen with this England team because I mean you know we've tried a lot of stuff recently we've got some talented young players what what what, what needs to happen I'd like, I'd like to see him play two up front and two out wide hello 4-4-2 yeah <laughs> give it a go England or try, or try four, something like 3-4-3 three, three. everyone's giving it a go why don't we give it a go Some, want, something new just something exciting yeah. I want to see Rashford start up start and start down the middle where Mourinho hasn't been using him but you know that pace his finishing ability his confidence I mean that might get me off my seat it Unlikely, makes sense but... as well with Vardy having not he's on, he's on no form Kane's injured Sturridge hasn't been playing well, he's not injured but he shouldn't really be starting for England So and Rooney obviously not up front yeah Rashford 
mm. get him up front. All right. No pressure, Marcus. <laughs> no, no pressure, Marcus. We've sorted it. Yeah, well, that's that's pretty much solved. Well, thanks very much to all our guests. That's all we've got time for this week. Uh, thank you to Greg Stobart, James McManus, and Felix Keith. Uh, we're back on Thursday with the Thursday pod. Good Lord knows what we'll talk about. Probably an hour of international football. We'll try and mix it up for you guys. Don't worry. Please follow us on Twitter at Squawker. Like us on Facebook, Squawker Football. And subscribe to the Squawker Talker. Thanks very much. Bye-bye.